heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. We have a wonderful guest today, and he is one of our regulars, but you will know him and love him at Marytown. His name is Father John Clote, and he is the administrator of Marytown, the shrine of St. Maximilian Colby in Libertyville. Father is a native of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and he's a broadcast journalist and filmmaker prior to joining the Franciscan, conventional Franciscan order. Um, after years as a producer and writer at NBC News in St. Louis, John began working in the Catholic media, producing more than a dozen films and documentaries for the Mercy Foundation. I'm sure many of you have seen his movies. They're spellbinding. Um, he is a graduate of Pepperdine University's Act One Film and Television Executive Program, and he holds a BA in Broadcast Journalism, an MA in Spiritual Theology from Loyola University, and an MD from Sacred Heart Seminary in Milwaukee. Um, in the studio with us today is Father Lawrence from Marytown, and I'm your moderator, Joan McHugh. And today's program, we're gonna, the title is Divine Mercy and of reconciliation and hold fasten your seatbelts everyone because it's the season of mercy and we have an expert here on the divine mercy of our Lord and it's Father John and I'm so grateful that you're here so welcome to the show thank you so much Joan. <laughs> it's good to be back I'm so glad I just I see I've known Father John for years he he was he worked at Marytown as I think Right after his teenage years, he was making movies, and we used to meet on the stairwell. He was running up, and I was running down, and we were always busy, but we always had time to talk about our projects. He loves the Eucharist, he loves our Lord, and he loves divine mercy. And he has, before we get into everything that is important that he's doing and the films he's making, I just want to hear a little bit about how you got started in your, your vocation, like just a short version because I know every vocation story is long and beautiful but so you were a teenager and you were out in Scottsdale and Our Lady was giving messages <laughs> so is that what grabbed your heart is that when you first began to turn to your faith really well, when I was in, when I was growing up my parents <clears throat> my dad my mom too would say I'm the youngest of nine my dad would say let's go make a visit and we all knew what that meant. That oh. meant we were going to go to Carmelite Monastery, where they had adoration, perpetual adoration. And we would go, and this was in St. Louis, and we would go, and we would, my parents would light a candle, and we would kneel before the Blessed Sacrament, and just for 10 or 15 minutes. And that became a very regular uh, event mm. for for me. And I, I didn't know that there was something more that was happening there. <clears throat> Probably didn't until years later, but... My parents would go in, and, and everybody. There were, you know, there were candles there, and I was, I, I was more interested, I think, sometimes in the candles because <laughs> it made this beautiful red light <laughs> right. on the back walls of the marble and right. the church, and um, and it was just a beautiful, quiet, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it was beautiful, um, and it was special because it was also time with my parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, as I progressed through grammar school and high school, uh, I found myself even in high school driving over there, just stopping in for ten minutes, whether oh, you know, so whether I was praying about something for a test or yeah. to get on a sports team or yeah. uh, for whatever I was doing in in the activities in in high school, and then. Uh, I went away to college for journalism school. I came back and I started working at NBC. Uh, I got an internship, and then in during my at the end of my internship, NBC uh, offered me a job. And uh, and this is my let's see my sophomore junior year of college. Uh, and so I transferred schools. I started working full time, um, just doing like floor directing, and I. I moved up to being an associate producer and then a producer, and then I basically did producing special projects and writing and producing for four or five years at NBC, and that's really where I learned um, the the fundamentals of broadcast television because uh, although I had a good uh, education, it was nothing compared to real-life experience yeah. in a major market. Um, you know, we were... We had the highest ratings of any NBC station in the country at wow. that time. It was a multimedia-owned um, uh, NBC station, and Sally Jesse Raphael was filmed there. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and St. Louis was a big Catholic um, market, mm-hmm. a huge Catholic mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, eventually, I uh, left NBC. I start, I went into advertising, and then doing film, uh, documentary films. And then I, I ended up hearing about a story in Scottsdale, Arizona, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And um, and I went ahead and did, that was my first documentary. And then from that... Wait a minute, what was your first documentary? The first documentary was I Am Your Jesus of Mercy. Oh, yes. Okay. The events in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. And so it was, it, was a, it was a kind of an investigative journalistic look at the events that, that occurred out there. Yeah. And then after that, I did, uh, I filmed something in... Um, Italy called uh, 14 Flowers of Pardon, which is the life and death of St. Maria Goretti. She's the youngest canonized saint in the church. She was 11 years old. She's the first saint in the Catholic Church. And I, I'm not sure if the only now, but certainly in 1950 when she was canonized, her mother attended the canonization. My word. Assunta Goretti. And so that was the first, uh, that was the second film. And then progressively, and what was interesting is I just, I just loved the filmmaking aspect of yeah. it, but, but there was something more happening. There was, there was an integration of the faith that ha- was happening with me just from the content of the material that I was handling. And I was raised Catholic, but I don't think I was anything. Um, my dad was a World War II vet. My mom worked at social work at a Catholic mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of born into that ethos, a mm-hmm. large Irish Catholic family, the yeah. youngest of nine. And it, it, it didn't seem anything special to me. I was just kind of doing what what came naturally and what was fun to do. I really enjoyed the writing, the producing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in my 20s, I went and looked at a couple of religious uh, orders, a couple of dioceses, but that never panned out because I was always working on a film. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So, so I thought I thought that, well, God, just, I'm going to get married, I'm going to make films, uh-huh. and I'll do corporate work, and I'll do... Mm-hmm. And so that's what I started to do. But gradually, I... I I moved back towards really considering a religious um, vocation 
I, I went and did a film called Ocean of Mercy in 1998 at uh, in Auschwitz. We shot in Auschwitz in Poland. It's on the lives of John Paul II, St. Faustina, and St. Maximilian Kolbe. And that had a profound impact on me because it, it I, I walked around Auschwitz, the camp, yeah. with two survivors. And when you do that, it's very different than walking around as a tourist. Yeah. Uh, this one man, uh, Ted Votovich, had not been back there for 50 years. Oh, and everywhere he looked, he saw the ghosts and the hauntings of oh, what he had experienced yeah. there as a young man. This was a man from Chicago. And Adam Yurkiewicz was the other man. And uh, to walk through there, and, and, and we didn't, on, on some of the times we didn't even have the cameras rolling. And that's where I got really more of the, the, the gut-wrenching um, understanding that such atrocities occurred there mm. and such evil occurred there. Mm that that there was it made me take the choices in my own life yeah. a large and small more seriously yeah. because you, you you talk to a holocaust survivor they know what evil is yeah. they know what evil yeah. is uh, there's no um, there's there's no uh, well the devil's a symbol mm -hmm. there's, none of, that. there's none of that and so it was a lot and then when I, I went around the country and I gave talks and speeches about the movie and we did premieres and things like that um, and then I, I just kept coming closer and I'd been working with the Franciscans and I ended up having my office as a layperson at the Shrine of St. Maximilian Colby, Marytown yeah, in Libertyville, right. Illinois, just north of Chicago and, and it is there that um, I began to really, with the help of some of the priests and brothers, mm -hmm. my, my vocation really began to flourish there. And uh, and that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was hoping you'd share. It's just it's so inspiring to me how the Lord prepared you with your years at NBC, and you know He He was grooming you for this work that is so huge that you're doing. So now with with your vocation story, uh, we can we can move on a little bit to your work now at Marytown, and I know you have a heart for. Divine Mercy and Confession, especially Sacrament of Reconciliation. When did that start? How did you become so enamored of, of our Lord's mercy? I, I think experientially, mm -hmm. I experienced it. Um, and then I think when I was in Poland, I interviewed St. Faustina's brother oh. about six months before he died. He was in the film. He's in the film. And uh, and I, I really got the uh, we spent time at the shrine of mm -hmm. Divine Mercy, and when you um, when again the, the trip to Poland was significant, I, I think for me, yeah. and even more so when I look back. Um, so I developed a, a hunger to know more about the Divine Mercy yeah. uh, devotion and Faustina, and then as a priest you start to read the promises that our Lord makes to the priests about this devotion, and not only the promises, but the responsibility that we have to represent him in the confessional, uh, that the person, the penitent, must have a, an experience of God's divine mercy. And that is not anything necessarily we do, but it's certainly something we don't do. We don't, um, we don't judge. We don't... Uh, we don't let our own humanity as much as we can as priests mm -hmm. and our Lord works with us 
to become an obstacle. Yes. Um, you know, I was talking to a priest friend of mine the other day, and, and we were talking about this subject and, and about the, the topic of divine mercy. And, um, you know, Jesus told Faustina that the confessional is the tribunal of mercy. And the, the beautiful statements that our Lord made about this, he said, proclaim that mercy is the greatest attribute of God. All the works of my hands are crowned with mercy. I desire that the whole world know my infinite mercy. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. And so trust is an enormous part of the divine mercy uh, devotion. Trust, Jesus said to Faustina, trust is the vessel, it is the bucket, that souls come to my most merciful heart to draw out graces. The more trust, the bigger the bucket, the greater the graces. So for all our listeners out there, uh, this is all very beautiful and it touches me very deeply and I hope it touches our listeners, but would you just say something for those who are listening about, you know, maybe they're driving along and they're thinking, hmm, confession, I don't know if I really need to go. It's like, you know, what's the big deal here? You know, I can just say I'm sorry to God. So would you speak to that for a minute? Like, why should people even go to confession? Well, it's one of, if you're Catholic, it's one of the seven sacraments. Yes. Uh, if you're not Catholic, it's still, in Scripture, tells us to confess our sins. Yes, yes. Um, you know, the, the, the sacraments themselves are meant to make the invisible visible. But they're also meant, with, with, uh, with sacramental confession, they make the inaudible audible. So and what, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is when a priest gives the, the prayer of absolution, I absolve you of your sins, right. in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we're speaking in the name of Christ. This is this is the priesthood binding and loosening sins. This is this is a command a command of Christ to the apostles to go and do this in His name, and so when we do that, we're we're not doing that as I'm not doing that as as Father John Lawrence is not doing that as, as Father Lawrence. We're doing that in the name of Christ, mm -hmm. in the name of the church. Mm -hmm. And there's moral certitude. The people know that when they walk out of that, mm -hmm. if they've given a worthy contrition, uh, worthy uh, confession. They have contrition and firm purpose of amendment. Yes. They can walk out of there. But what, see, and the reason I'm doing this film on, on divine mercy encountered through the, uh, the, the sacrament of, of uh, confession or reconciliation or penance is because something more happens. And you won't know it until you get there. Uh -huh. And I'm serious about that. Uh -huh. And, 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 and if, if you talk to people that have been away from confession and returned to it, yeah. uh, they have such a profound experience of God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and it's such a beautiful sacrament. We can go to that sacrament, you know, as much as we want, as much as we need to. And I would encourage that. I would encourage that. If you're struggling with a particular sin or vice or addiction, mm -hmm. go back to confession. Yeah. And it's not, it's, you know, one of the things I repeat to penitents is, our Lord says in John's Gospel, I am the vine, you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. This idea, if we go into the confession and say, Father, I'm just going to try harder, don't worry, I'm, I, my self-discipline is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that my... Now... God blesses our will. He gives us the grace. He strengthens us with, with perseverance and with uh, the fortitude that we need. But at the end of the day, it's all Jesus. Yes. It's all Jesus. Yes. And that's why the priest just needs to kind of get out of the way. Be 
that merciful heart that that penitent comes to and says, not just the words of absolution. I often take Faustina's diary into the confessional with me, mm -hmm. and, and I, I recite some of the words that Jesus, because it's beautiful, but it's also just a reflection. It echoes the gospel. You will find all of this, all the, the devotion of the Divine Mercy devotion is scripturally based. Yeah. Is the Divine Mercy Sunday, it's scripturally based. And so our Lord is calling us back to mercy for a reason. Not just mercy for ourselves, but mercy for one another. Mercy for those that have hurt us. Um, the beautiful thing about divine mercy is it's, our Lord tells Faustina, it's easy as ABC, that we, we uh, word, deed, and prayer, that we're to experience and encounter and be vehicles and agents of mercy by word, deed, and prayer. Wow. To be imbued with it, in other words, just to be imbued with it by through this uh, the, the, the sacrament. Jesus just gives his life to us through that sacrament. I love that. I like the vine and the branches image. I teach C, uh, second graders CCD, and we have this movie, The Bread of Life, and in, in one scene, there's grapes on a vine, and one of, one of the grapes said, I don't like hanging with you guys. I'm getting out of here. And so he starts to pull away from the vine, and he starts to get all wrinkly and yucky looking, and then he shrivels up, and before he drops off, it's like everybody's looking at him saying, no, don't go, don't go, stay on the vine, stay on the vine, you need, you need, you need the, the food and everything, so he, he dies. And that's what happens to us, because the nexus of the, the branch meeting the vine is prayer mm -hmm. if we don't pray and it doesn't matter what kind of sin we're immersed in mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter if it's habitual sin if we take it to our lord especially in the sacrament of confession and we say lord i'm weak this is a habit i even like this sin yeah you know i don't know if i want to stop yeah but if you say lord i know you want me to stop or I know you want me to amend my life. Give me the grace. Yeah. Now you've opened the door. And that's where we have to trust him. He is so good. People need to know how good Jesus is. So another thing I tell my little CCD girls and boys is that when you pray, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. He wanted you to take him literally. And we don't get that. You know, our, in our sophisticatedness and our intelligence and everything, we're asking you shall receive. But when, when we do ask, he does give, and we, we should wait for the answer. So it's just so simple, and I don't know why we complicate it so, but you make it simple now. I like this. We, we do complicate it, and, 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 and for many years I, I complicated it, too, but it just took me a lot. It's just like, wow, this is just, it, it's too good to be true. Right. It doesn't give us a license to sin. Right. It does give us a license to be human. Yes, yes, yes. And that's yes. the difference. And, and if we allow ourselves to be human, but if we're good stewards of our humanity, and if we come back to our Lord, this is why this sacrament is one of this, you know, baptism, you get baptized once. Mm -hmm. uh, why do we get to repeat this sacrament? Because the church and our Lord knows mm -hmm. that 
We need it. Yeah. We need yeah. to be connected to that vine. We need to be big, fluffy, purple, beautiful grapes. That's my image. I can't let go of that image. We need to be connected through the vine and to have the sap of his love flowing through us. And when we don't, we shrivel up. And what people, I, I, and I try to convince penitents of this, when you're working on a particular part of your life and trying to grow in virtue and maybe eliminate vice or, or some bad habit, uh, what you will find is with, with prayer and perseverance and trust, especially trust, you will begin to see changes and you'll realize this is not me. That is the, the branch being connected to the vine and the nutrients, as you call them, the spiritual yeah. nutrients yeah. of Jesus Christ. That's Christ flowing through, in, and out of us. His life. Right. And so the fact is, we the, the, the most pressing thing I think I need to know as a Christian Catholic is that my, my brokenness. You know, I, I need to realize just how broken I am and how in need of the sap of the vine, you know, we don't always realize that. So in our brokenness, um, I know there's a wonderful story that Father Lawrence here has about being broken and how the Lord wants to heal us in the confessional. Do you would you be willing to share a little bit about that? Sure. <laughs> Several weeks ago, when we were preparing the, the new confessionals at Marytown, uh, we were hanging a crucifix in each of the cubicles. And as we were going about cleaning the, uh, dusting the confessionals, you know, all of a sudden heard a crash. And one of the confessionals we thought that we hung secure fell off the wall and shattered on the marble floor into 50 some pieces of war. And the gentleman who was working with me said, well, what are you gonna do? And I said, well, we're just gonna sweep it up and throw it away. I said, it's irreparable, you can't fix this, it's too many pieces. And unbeknownst to me, later in the day, he went to the garbage can, retrieved all of the broken pieces, went back home to Southern Illinois, and a couple of weeks later, I received in the mail a package. And I, when I opened it, I saw this crucifix. And my first thought was, wow, he found a replacement. He was able to find the exact replica of what I had broken. And as I opened the package more further, uh, there was a, a two pictures. And one was a picture of the cross and, and all the pieces. And the other was the, the picture of the cross uh, put back together again. He and his wife painstakingly took piece by piece, put it all back together, and you cannot tell that it was ever shattered into pieces. And so I wrote back to him and I said, he had preached a homily to me that day. Wow. What I thought was irreparable, mm -hmm. uh, not worthy of my time or energy, just discarded that with God's love and his patience, he's able to put our broken pieces back together again. And so that crucifix now hangs in the confessional at Marytown. And uh, a lot of people come to confession thinking that their lives are in pieces, but the Lord in his love and mercy looks upon us and he's able to put all that back together again. Thank you for sharing that, that's so powerful. We're gonna take a short break and we'll be back with we pray for your uh, prayer requests and for more stories from Father John and Father Lawrence. Welcome back. If you've been listening, you, you've been um, 
totally inspired by uh, Father John Clote and Father Lawrence here with their beautiful sharings about the power of reconciliation and um, and the and the sacrament itself. We want to delve a little bit deeper into uh, reconciliation. The movie Father John is making. I know you mentioned Sister Faustina and that she said that the confessional or reconciliation is there's a tribunal of my mercy. Is it and and she also said the greatest miracles take place there. Is that going to be included in your movie? Some of the miracles. Absolutely. I don't think you can talk about. Um, everything Faustina did and wrote points to Jesus Christ as the divine mercy. Mm-hmm. And he's lavishing this mercy upon the world at this time. And if you pick up the newspapers or you use the internet and go to the news sites and you, 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 you see the news, um, our, Lord, our, our world is in desperate need of being reminded of the mercy of God because a lot of people have I think given up on the mercy of God mm-hmm. or they've they've made friends with their sins mm-hmm. and um, the only sin that is not forgiven is the sin that we don't ask forgiveness for mm-hmm. and uh, and Jesus says to Faustina um, it's beautiful he called her uh, the secretary of my mercy mm-hmm. and so because she now this is a woman who had a third grade education and she has now produced what in arguably is the well arguably I guess but is, is arguably one of the spiritual masterpieces of the church mm-hmm. on, on her, diary. her diary her diary um, he, he says to Faustina uh, this is uh, paragraph 1541 in the diary Write this for the benefit of distressed souls. When a soul sees and realizes the gravity of its sins, when the whole abyss of the misery into which it is immersed itself is displayed before its eyes, let it not despair, but with trust. Let it throw itself into the arms of my mercy, as a child into the arms of its beloved mother. These souls have a right of priority to my Mm. compassionate heart. They have first access to my mercy. Tell them that no soul that has called upon my mercy has been disappointed or brought to shame. I delight particularly in a soul which has placed its trust in my goodness. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, he, you know, if you read Faustina's diary, Jesus can't add another other than dying on the cross for us, mm-hmm. he can't explain it in another way. Mm-hmm. Come back to me. It doesn't. It, he says in one part of the diary, "If your sins are as scarlet, mm-hmm. they will be washed pure as 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 white wool with the blood of my uh, my redemption." Um, he's lavishing this on the world, and and the more you learn about the Divine Mercy Sunday and and then the promises that he, he gives Faustina, and that's really what our event is about. Oh, talk about that. I was going to ask, that was my next question. Um, we're having this event on March 24th at Marytown, and I encourage everybody to go to our website, which is colbyshrine.org, Colby, K-O-L-B-E, uh, capital S-H-R-I-N-E, colbyshrine.org. And you can, that's the Marytown site. You can go there, you can um, RSVP and sign up for the event, learn about the event. So it's just, it's going to be uh, speakers that are going to talk about the Divine Mercy um, uh, movement 
the Divine Mercy image, the chaplet. Um, we have a, a priest coming down who's the spiritual consultant up in Milwaukee, Father Cliff, uh, who's going to um, talk about uh, Divine Mercy as a spiritual, uh, as liberation from evil. Um, Michael McGlynn is coming in from Kansas City, and he's just going to talk about the the face of mercy. And he does he walks people through these beautiful uh, meditations and underscores them with uh, anecdotal stories and, mm -hmm. and music. We're going to have Holy Mass. It includes lunch. It includes a continental breakfast. Um, and so this this it, it's divine mercy as a means of liberation and spiritual growth. Becoming confident in God's goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, uh, when you and I were talking off the air, and and you said, you know, what I asked you what trust was to oh, you, and you said trust is when my my granddaughter, or my grandson comes up, and they're in a hurry, and they just give you something. Yeah. You know that they want to hold on it, and they just say, "Grandma, here, hold this," and then they run off and play with their friends, or, or you know, do do whatever they're going to do. They know when they come back. Grandma has safeguarded whatever that they yes. put into your possession. Their treasure, yes. And this is what Jesus does with us. Yes, yes. You know, we can leave. I tell people when they come into the confessional, you came in here with a bag of bricks. Put them down. Mm. Because if we don't put them down, it's an insult to our Lord. Yes. Those sins are his. He died for those. Yes. How dare we take them back? <laughs> yes, you yes, know? yes, yes. And, and it takes us a while to, to believe that he's that good, that he's that loving because we all we see is we get so and this is a trick of the evil one too we get so caught up in focusing on our brokenness on our limitations on our sins mm -hmm. that we forget the goodness the mercy yeah. the inexhaustible love of god as his sons and his daughters and and the trick of the devil is that he gets us to so focus on our sins and our limitations and our wounds that we can't see anything else mm. You know, the more you read scripture and the more I love the mystics, the more I read, the more I'm aware of that Jesus never turned anyone away. It's like anybody who came anywhere near him with a need, he could like it sense it and he turned and he you know, he would he would encourage people to to come to, come to him or he he would always give them whatever it was they needed and we, we don't realize that. that. If we just go to him and, and ask, you know, I had all these years of sickness and all, and I did write a book about it, and the one underlying message of the book is that whenever there was a need, I was always in darkness because I never knew what to do next because I, I always had a different problem or a physical problem or an emotional problem. I'd ask for guidance, and something would come. The Lord would answer and that's what I'm trying to teach my grandchildren, that the Lord is here, but we don't take advantage of his presence, of his mercy. <laughs> and what we do, I think, in a simplistic way, is we, we, we take the word trust and we, we say, okay, well, if that's true, then, um, then I'm going to use this like a spiritual vending machine. God, I need AC. I uh -huh. need this. God, I need it. And you push that button. And then if the, 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 the right candy bar doesn't drop right. out, spiritual candy bar doesn't drop out, we're saying, see, this doesn't work. Right. That's not what trust is. Right. Trust is saying, Lord, yes. whatever happens, yes. I know that you love me and that everything you that happens in my life the source of it is divine love and that 
every, as St. Saint, as Saint Maximilian Colby says, even our sins can be used as another rung in the ladder that we use to climb the stairs to heaven, climb the ladder to heaven. Yeah. Even our sins, sins brought to our Lord become a means of, of, of grace in a way because they, they propel us towards God. And this whole idea of trust, God's not a vending machine. And it's an insult to, insult to treat God like a vending machine. Yeah, sure. But who doesn't want... You know, we've all met these people in our lives that we want what they have because they, they, they haven't had easy lives a lot of times, but they have something inside of them, a rock-solid concreteness of belief that is seasoned by the crucible that they've had to carry, whatever that may be. And, and if, if you're if you're listening to this program and you're carrying a cross right now, mm. you know, stop asking the Lord why and start going to him and say, Lord, what is it you want me to learn from this? Oh, you know, beautiful. how can I bring divine mercy out of this pain yeah. that I'm feeling? Yeah. yeah, And I promise you, you will make exponential leaps forward in the yeah. spiritual life if you can, can, can get out of the... the 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 self pity yeah. of yeah. your brokenness yeah. and 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 be patient with yourself. Our Lord is so patient, mm. and that's why I tell people if they continue to come back to confession, that's what it's for. Sure. You know, as Pope Francis says, we're not supposed to use it as a dry cleaner, and that's true. But some people need to come back with fairly you know good repetition sure. until they until they, I, I just interviewed a, a, a college student a few days ago who said he had to come back like 15 weeks in a row to, to kind of break a really bad habit uh-huh, that he uh-huh, had. Uh-huh. And, and he said he, he never expected the value of going back to be greater than the sum of just the time that he spent there and maybe the self-examination. Uh-huh. I guess that's my point. And that's why this is an encounter with Jesus. And whenever you have an encounter with Jesus, yeah. you don't walk away the same person. You're changed. Absolutely. You change. Forever. And so, of all the sacraments today, when confession is sort of kind of on the outs in most churches, like, very few people go to confession, although I must say at St. Mary's in Lake Forest, there's big, long lines. But um, So now, I, you're just building new confessionals. Now, what? how did that happen? Well, uh, at Marytown... Um, we we had a good good number of confessions, but uh-huh. we we were because of the architecture of that particular place. It was a Benedictine monastery first, mm-hmm. a convent, and so there was only one small confessional, um, and we had to we were using parlors off the main hallway yeah. as reconciliations room re- reconciliation rooms, and and you know. I started talking to Father Lawrence actually about it, and we, we, we determined that, you know what, let's look into what it would cost to, you know, what's the feasibility of just building new confessionals that fit the architectural, you know, that are harmonious with the, the mosaics and the wood and the, the beauty of this particular yeah. chapel that yeah. we put them. And so I, I have to give a tremendous amount of credit to Father Lawrence because he did he found a church designer that he had worked with previously, and he, he we, we got a couple of designs, and we chose one. And then Jorge, who's the, the, the craftsman down in Atlanta, Georgia, um, spent nine months doing these. They were supposed to take three. It took nine. 
And you we, mean building them? Building them. Uh-huh. And we, we call them the twins because there's two of them and they took <laughs> nine months. So, um, but, but if you go to Marytown now, as soon as you walk into the back of the church, they're to the left and to the right, and you really can't tell that they look like they've been there since 1928 That's when so the chapel beautiful. was built. Father La- and Father Lawrence, you, you told the story um, about the crucifix. So is that crucifix there? Yes, it's in one of the confessionals oh. on the penitent side. Now I'm going to have to go and look for it. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we have a little bit of time left. Well, actually, we have about 10 more minutes. So, Father Lawrence, you know, Father John has been doing all the talking, and I know you have beautiful things to share about people that have come to confession, or what's your take on, you know, the need for confession? Like, have you had some wonderful experiences with people who've confessed and change their lives? I think some of my greatest moments of being a priest has been in the confessional. Really? Where sometimes it's just a sigh when someone confesses their sins and you can just almost hear in their voice the burden that's been lifted. And, And it's a powerful moment when you could say the words that Jesus speaks, I absolve you from your sins. Go. In peace. Uh-huh. There's a power that comes with that. Uh, in my life as a priest, I've heard many, many confessions. I was before I came to Marytown. I was stationed in Peoria, Illinois, mm-hmm. downtown Parish. So we had confessions twice a day. Mm-hmm. And then here at Marytown, of course, we have confessions twice a day, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. So we hear many, many confessions. And what a, a great privilege as a priest. Uh, to be there for someone who's searching for peace. Yeah. Um, people have many burdens that they carry with them. Yeah. And to just be able to listen. Some years ago when the Pope Francis um, dedicated a year of mercy, I was chosen to be a missionary of mercy. And that was a very powerful experience. I remember when we went to Rome, before we were commissioned as missionaries of mercy, all of us were asked to make a holy hour and go to confession ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there was about 782 priests that gathered in Rome that day. And it was a beautiful thing to see brother priests availing themselves of the sacrament. And, uh, but the Holy Father reminded us that for a lot of people, it's a great act of courage even to walk through that door. Yes, yes. And that in itself, even before a word is said, is already expressing their sorrow for their sins. Yes. And it's not so much what they say, but the, but the pure gesture of just walking yes. into the confessional. That's beautiful. It's a grace, really, isn't sure is. it? And so, thank you for sharing that. That's so inspiring to me. And that really is. And, and I, think, I think, for the most part, people have uh, experienced that, that. That even, you know, when they put their hand on the door handle of the confessional that's an act of faith that's an act of faith and it's a confession in our lord that lord i know who you are and Mm -hmm. i know who i am Mm -hmm. they don't understand how much grace they're just getting from 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 showing up let alone you know they they can't judge their own confession they just have to go and let the holy spirit work Mm -hmm. and um and and priests you know, if you come in and you want to make a priest day, say, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I've been to confession in 25 years. They're doing <laughs> cartwheels on the other side because they love it when somebody comes back to our Lord. Okay. You know, that's the beauty of it. And the thing I love, the, you mentioned Faustina a lot, is uh, I did read most of her diary, and I love it when our Lord said, I myself am there in the place of the priest. 
the priest is just there in body, but I'm in the priest. I'm really giving you the confession or giving you the grace. There's a great joy in being able to give away something that doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, giving, we're giving away God's grace yes, to all those yeah. who come. That's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Beautiful. One day, a gentleman came to confession. He had not been to confession for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. He drove by Marytown for our electronic messaging board that said we have confession, mm -hmm. 67. And he, thought, he said, I, I saw that as a sign from God, so I figured I'd come to confession. How wow. beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? And see, that's the other thing I'd like to share this with my brother priest, is that when we, when you offer confession, and I understand that for some priests, they're, they're, they're already overburdened, and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but they, I would pray and I would encourage them to look at when they're offering the sacrament, because now, 3.30 on a Saturday... Maybe isn't the best time no, to offer it true. any longer. That's true. And they need to revisit that and think about it with you their parish staff. Right there. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, in the movie The Field of Dreams, the line was, if you build it, they will come. Yes. I promise those priests, if they sit there, the people will come. And, and they will begin, and, but the precept is to speak about it from the pulpit. Yeah. We yeah. talk about it quite often because, yeah. you know, the, the communion lines are, are very long and the confession lines can be very short. Yeah. I'm talking as a, as a kind of a societal or cultural whole within the church in the U.S. at least. And, and it's, it's not that people need to feel uh, guilty about their sins mm -hmm. and they need to rush to confession. It's that I interviewed somebody last week and, and, and he said, he's a golfer, and he said, I would never go out and play 18 holes of golf and leave three of my clubs at, in, in the clubhouse. Right. He says, I'm also a bike rider. I would never go on a long marathon bike ride in a 10-speed or tw a, a, a bike that has 22 speeds and, and only use 12 of them. Why would you do that? And his point was is that that's what we do when we don't go to confession as Catholics. We're ignoring this ocean of grace that is available to us. Yes. And it's just, it's a sacrament. It makes the invisible visible. It makes the inaudible audible. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It, it makes Christ live more fully inside of us. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I guess there's just, there's something, there's something that happens in the confessional yes. uh, <laughs> that you... You know, I think Lawrence knows what I'm talking about because he's a priest, and anybody that's used the sacrament and really had this encounter, you realize it's, it's not just you and the priest in there. Yes. There's, there's somebody else yes, there. Yes. There's a person there. Yes. And, and this is what our and Lord... And his name is Jesus. <laughs> yes. And so if we come to the part of the show now, which is one of my favorite parts, because readers have emailed us and with all their many problems. We only have time for a few, but may I ask for your prayers for these problems that they've emailed us, and then you might have some yourself. Um, there's several anonymous ones, and the anonymous ones it wants to pray for his, the healing of his son Tommy, um, and another anonymous one wants is praying needs a job situation prayed for, uh, a school degree, anger, forgiveness, difficult work situation, and uh, for a future spouse, for a Catholic spouse, there's a mom who has two daughters, Karen and Janet, and one of those daughters is homeless. And that's a new prayer request that came in. And then there's um, Tom emailed, uh, would like um, the priest to pray for, to reconcile his wife and I, uh, as he has promised in the sacrament. 
and then you might have some prayer requests yourself. I want to pray for WSFI. Oh, thank you. And I want to encourage people to support you financially. Thank you. Um, the work you're doing is, is very important, and our Lord can do great things uh, with a mustard seed. And yeah. you guys have grown this, this ministry and this apostolate. And radio, if people don't know, it's a, it's a tough business. Yeah. There's a lot of work. Angela's sitting in there with <laughs> five screens in front of her. Um, and it, but it takes, it takes financial resources. And so we, we really ask people, and our Lord will bless those people if they support. Them. So I'd like to pray for Rod, uh, who's, uh, who's had a lot of difficulties in the last two years. And, and, uh, and, and I would just ask people to remember his name and to pray for him. Another woman, uh, who is a friend of, uh, of Marytown who ha is dealing with the IRS right now. And if you've ever dealt with the IRS, that can be a, a real headache to put it mildly. Um, a coworker of Lawrence's and I, uh, is suffering from cancer. And so we lift her up and we pray for all those that are battling cancer or any type of illness or disease that they might um, invoke the power and the mercy, the healing and the restoration of the divine healer, Jesus. And I would also like to pray for Matt Tomlinson, who just lost his mom this week and Angela. So Lois, I heard the soul of Lois. So could you just say a prayer for all of those you both? Right now? Yeah. Okay. Lord Jesus, we lift up all of these petitions, all of these intentions to your most merciful heart. We ask that our Blessed Lady, our Holy Mother Mary, envelop us and all of our loved ones and all of our listeners into her, her mantle, her mantle of grace, her mantle of purity, her mantle of holiness. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. In the and name now of, could you bless our listeners? Through the prayers, merits, and intercession of St. Faustina Kowalska, St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe, and St. Pope John Paul II, may Almighty God bless you and heal you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.